Good morning. So I am Mandy, for those of you I haven't met yet. And I've got the privilege, the pleasure of just sharing you the next word in our Christmas series about preparing the way. And I'm going to start with a video. For those of you who know me, you know I like a video. And um, this video, you might have seen it. It has done the rounds on, um, on YouTube and social media, but I love it. It's a video taken at a children's nativity. Who loves a children's nativity? I love it. I actually work in an infant school, so I work with children in reception in year one, so they're age kind of four, five, six, and they are preparing at the moment for next week for their performances. And let me tell you, I just love it because it does not matter how many times you practice and prepare. Come Tuesday, when those parents are there, you do not know what is going to happen. And if our dress rehearsal on Friday afternoon is anything to go by, we had Joseph, who just said, I'm tired, and sat there sucking his thumb the whole way. We had a shepherd who decided to show everyone his new Thomas the Tank pants. And actually, while Mary was gently rocking her baby, two of the kings were having a full-on fight on the corner of the stage. And I have not made that up. That is true. So watch this. This is a little video, and this is called, I think they entitled it, Sing Like Nobody Is Listening. So enjoy. love that. I think that is called taking your moment. That is like there is a one-time opportunity and I'm grabbing it. 
And what I really love is the little boy who starts off looking as if to say, what is going on? But then, did you notice he picked up on some of that enthusiasm and he actually gave it a bit of glory himself. (laughs) But, you know, I've been thinking about how this life that we have been given on earth, that we've been gifted by God, it is a moment. It is a one-time opportunity. You know, we cannot freeze it. We cannot... As much as we'd like to, rewind it and do bits over again, you know, and we can't slow it down. And actually, as I am getting older, it actually feels like it's speeding up a little bit. You know, it doesn't seem long ago that when I wanted to talk to my daughter, Rachel, I would crouch down to look into her face. Now, she's there. (laughs) And not only that, but she asked my mum to get her some boots for Christmas, which have a slight wedge heel on them. And when she tried them on, I actually had to look up to talk to my daughter, Guess what's on my Christmas list this year? When I come in with great big platform boots, you'll know why. But you know, I do not want to waste a moment of this life that God has given me. I want to make it count. And actually, it says in Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, it says, take full advantage of every single day you spend your life for his purposes. Sorry, as you spend your life for his purposes. And there is a really simple prayer a request that we can make of God that I've prayed many times every morning, and it's simply this, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. You've done so much for me. You saved me. You've forgiven me. You've given me hope, and you've given me a purpose. So, Lord, take my life and use me. And do you know what? The most amazing thing is that God loves to hear that prayer from us. Because that is already the way that he has decided to work out his plans and his purposes on this earth. He's chosen to use ordinary, flawed, normal (laughs) people like us. That's what he's done to work out his plans and his purposes. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people that were used by God. And I believe they're in there so that we can look at them and say, you know, why did God use that person? What was it about them? You know, and God will use them for their purposes and he wants to use us for his purposes. So this morning, what I want us to do, we're going to look at a character from the Christmas story. Nearly Christmas, did you know that? Anyone done all their shopping? Oh, good, that makes me feel better. (laughs) We're going to look at someone from the Bible who God used in the most incredible, significant way. We're going to look at her life and look at it and say, what is it about her? And as we look at her, we can think about ourselves and think, what can we learn? So this morning, we are going to look at um, Mary, mother of Jesus, or the Virgin Mary, as they sang about, or probably she was just known to her friends and family, Mary. We're going to look at Mary. Now, I remember when um, our first child, Rachel, was born. I remember coming home from the hospital. She was in her little car seat, and we came back to home, which was a really familiar place. You know, we'd lived there for quite a few years. And I remember me and Matt coming into the living room, and we, we put Rachel down in the, middle of the, in the middle of the room, and she was there all, all snug in her, in her little car seat. But just suddenly, everything felt really different in the house. You know, it felt different. And I think it was that overwhelming feeling of responsibility that suddenly hits you. I am now responsible for the life of another small human. And me and Matt kind of looked at each other as if to say, you know, what do we do next? But imagine Mary. Mary was chosen to be the mother 
of God's own son. Yeah? She was given a massive responsibility. And it wasn't like she was just a surrogate for Jesus. It wasn't like she gave birth to him and then handed him over to the temple or to a group of angels waiting in disguise to bring him up. Mary was Jesus' mother. She was the mother of the Son of God. She nursed him. She fed him. She would have looked after his every need. She was there from birth until he died. And then he was resurrected again. And then she was there until he went back to heaven. Mary was given that responsibility. And not only for his practical needs, but also she encouraged him in his ministry. I was thinking about the very first public miracle that Jesus did. Remember that? Yeah, what did you do at the wedding? He turned water into wine. Mary was there. And it says that the rumor started to spread that, you know, the wine had run out. There was no wine left. And so Mary goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, son, you could do something about this. And Jesus does that. I don't know how he said, but I imagine he went, mom, you know, mother, not yet. You know, my time hasn't come yet. I'm not ready yet. And then Mary, like most mothers do at some point, completely ignored his protest, turned to the servants and said, just do whatever he asks you to do. Because for all we know, Jesus might have turned water into wine at home every night of the week, you know? It's true, isn't it? Mary knew Jesus like no one else. And maybe that was just the opportunity to give him a little kind of kick out of the nest and say, come on, it's your time, be ready. So we're going to look at Mary this morning. The incredible responsibility that was given to her. She was used by God in such an amazing way. And what is it in particular about Mary's heart? That's what I want us to look at. You know, God has chosen us to build his church. He's chosen us to share our redemption stories. I've been reading Jenny's posts on, on Facebook, and they're, an ama- they're just amazing little snippets of Jenny's life and how God has worked in it. You know, it's a real encouragement, a real encouragement. But God has chosen us to build his church with him, to, as Emily talked about last week, you know, to prepare the way for others to encounter Jesus. So what is it about Mary's heart? And we know it's her heart because God has this conversation with Samuel where um, they're looking for the next king of Israel. And um, God says, you know, I don't look at people like you look at them, Samuel. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So what is it about Mary's heart that we can look at her and we can say, you know, maybe, Holy Spirit, there's some things you need to grow in my heart. Maybe there's some things, some work you need to do because I want to be used. I want this life to count. So should we read about Mary? Let's read her story together. And then I've just got a few things to say about Mary's heart. So here we go. It starts, it's in Luke 1. An angel appears to Mary. So it says this, during Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. But Mary was startled by what the angel said and wondered what this greeting might mean. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant. You will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David and his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. 
Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will cover you. For this reason, the baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now, Elizabeth, your relative, is also pregnant with a son, though she is very old. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she has been pregnant for six months. God can do anything. In another version, it says, even the impossible is possible with God. I love that version. Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me as you say. And then the angel went away. Incredible little story, isn't it, of Mary? And I just, as I was reading through it, you know, I thought about a few things about Mary's heart that I think we can learn from. You know, if we want to prepare the way for others to encounter Jesus, you know, if we want to be used, you know, for God's glory, to bring him glory. And the first thing is this. Mary had a humble heart. Yeah, Mary had a humble heart. It's incredible humility. I read somewhere that humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less often, yeah? So we shouldn't confuse humility with having to have like a low sense of self-worth or thinking we can't do anything or talk about what we're good at. It's not that. It's basic, basic level. I would say humility is about positioning. Yeah. So in terms of our having a humble heart to our fellow man or woman, so if you look at the person beside you for a moment, your people on your left and your right, in terms of positioning, it means that in our hearts, we don't think that we are more important than the person sat next to us. We are not higher than them. And when we have that humility in our hearts, it opens this gateway for God to be able to use us to serve others, to love them deeply. Yeah, and even when required to put their needs above our own. Yeah, that's a humble heart towards each other. Now, in terms of our positioning with God, through Jesus Christ, we've been welcomed into God's family. We are sons and daughters of the King. And that is amazing, isn't it? And it's true. It's true. But in terms of being humble, a humble heart before God, it means being fully aware who is head of the household. Yeah, it means acknowledging, Lord God, you are in control. You are in charge. And we willfully, willingly, sorry, we willingly come under, choose to come under his authority. And Mary had a humble heart. The angel came and interrupted her plans. She was betrothed to, to Joseph. He interrupted her plans. He kind of shook her world, really, didn't he? In that moment. He said, you know, you're chosen, you're blessed, you're going to have a child. This child's going to be the son of God. Mary asked just one question, quite a practical question. She's like, well, how's that going to happen? I've not even been with a man. The angel explains about the Holy Spirit. And then Mary says this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you have said. Or let it happen according to your word. That is humility. It's humility. And let me tell you, God can use a humble heart. God will use a humble heart. What God won't use or can't use is the opposite of a humble heart. And what's that? Proud heart. You see, a proud heart is a heart that has lost its dependency on God. Yeah, moved away from fully depending on God. A proud heart will say, it's what I need. It's what I deserve. It's what I require. It's my plans. But a heart that is humble before God says, it's what God needs of me. It's what God requires of me. It's what God deserves. 
And it's God's plans for me that matter the most. And in Jesus, who was sent to be our example of how to live, all the way through his life, he was just this example of humility. You can read about it in Philippians. The attitude of Christ, humble, humility. From the way he was born in a stable, the way he talked and the way he preached and the way he washed his disciples' feet, the way he died a criminal's death on a cross. Humility, humility, humility for our example. And I believe that the reason that God desires humility in us so much is because sometimes we think about the disobedience of Adam and Eve being the original sin, but it wasn't, was it? It was Satan when he fell from heaven because what did he think? Pride gripped his heart and he said, I deserve some of that adoration that God is getting. And Jesus set us for that reason, I believe it's a very pure example of having a humble heart. God can use a humble heart. He can use a humble heart. And those words of Mary where she said, you know, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you've spoken. It just reminds me of Jesus in the garden. He was about to embark on this kind of road of suffering ahead. And what did he say? He said, Father, it's not what I want. It's not my will. Let your will be done. God will use a humble heart. He will do. A humble heart says, Lord, I will invite my brother to the carol concert even though he only talks to me when he wants something or I will invite my neighbors if that is what you want me to do because your plans exceed my own I will invite my neighbors even though they're always complaining because if that's what you want me to do that is what I will do let me tell you God can use a humble heart pride tries to sneak in it does it's one of those subtle things that can try and grip us you know we've got to check our hearts check that is our dependency more on ourselves than it is on God you know are we thinking about what I need a little bit more than what God needs and when we do find that in our lives we just follow Jesus's advice and we go in our closets or our, or our bedrooms we get on our knees before God you know just us and him and we say Lord you know restore my humility Lord it's your will I want for my life so God can use a humble heart how's your heart this morning yeah we just reflect on it think on it the second thing I really noticed about um, Mary is that she had a trusting heart. She trusted God. And I've used, there's lots of things I could have said about Mary, but I chose to trust just to take you back to school for a moment because that is a verb, yeah? It's a doing word, or as we say to the children, it's an action word. So it's something that you have to do. And I think Mary probably had to do it over and over and over again in her life. Mary trusted God. And actually to trust means to believe in the reliability or the truth of something or someone. Mary believed. In fact, when she went to her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth actually said to her, Mary, you know, and they'd swap stories, Mary, you know, you're blessed because you believed that what the Lord said to you would really happen. Yeah, Mary was blessed. She was chosen because she trusted, because she believed. And when I was reading the story, you know, the angel didn't really give her much information. Gabriel didn't come with a whole lot of detail. You know, he just said, you know, Mary, you know, you're chosen. You're blessed. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Yeah, you're going to have a child. 
basically that child is going to grow up to be the saviour of the world. You know, that, and that was it. And Mary didn't ask the questions that perhaps some of us would have done. She didn't say, you know, well, what if Joseph doesn't believe me? What if my family disown me over this? What if my community want to stone me for what's just happened? You know, what if I have to do this all on my own? Mary didn't ask those questions. She just had this trust in God. You know, and there was a lot Mary did not know, wasn't there, when you look at it. She was about to embark on a journey. She agreed to it. She trusted God. There was a lot she did not know. She didn't know the whole story. She didn't know that at eight months pregnant, (laughs) eight months pregnant, she would be walking across kind of mountainous terrain to Bethlehem, probably 80 kilometers. It wasn't a short distance. She didn't know that. She didn't know that when she got to Bethlehem, there would be nowhere for her to stay. And she would end up sleeping in a stable where the animals are kept. She didn't know that that was actually where she was going to give birth to the saviour of the world. She didn't know that she'd have to put her precious baby in an animal's feeding trough. She didn't know that not too long after that, she would be picking up all their belongings and Joseph and Mary and their precious baby would be running for their lives because King Herod wanted their baby dead and that they would be like refugees living in Egypt until it was safe for them to go home. She didn't know that many, many years later, at the start of one week, crowds would be crying out, Hosanna, praise him to her son, to God's son. But at the end of the week, that they'd be crying out, crucify him. They wanted him dead. She did not know that not long after that, she would be stood at the foot of a cross, looking up at her precious son, dying on the cross for the sins of the world. She knew who he was. She knew he was, she did not know that that was going to happen. But that is what trust is. We don't need to know the whole story because Mary believed that very first thing that the angel said to her, you're blessed, you're chosen, and the Lord is with you. We can go on any journey God takes us if we hold on and believe that the Lord is with us. I just want to share a little story, a personal testimony really from my life about trust at this point, and I'll move on to my last point. Um, Well, really, it's my mum's story. It's mine and is our family story. So nearly two years ago, two years in January, my mum got some news and it wasn't news of great joy that you want to hear. It's that kind of news that nobody wants to hear. So she'd been to the doctors, had some tests and they told her that she had lymphoma, which is cancer of the blood. And I have to say, at that time, I remember reading, um, reading something that said, you can either choose the path of fear or the path of faith, but you can't choose both. And as a family, we chose to walk that path of faith, yeah. And I have to say that God held us during that time. You know, he, he carried us. That beautiful verse about underneath of the everlasting arms, that was, that's not just, these verses aren't just words, they're truth. When you grasp them for yourself, it's truth. And God upheld us during that time. But that's not to say there weren't dark moments. There were dark moments. And one particular time, Mum had been through lots of tests and lots of, um, you know, she'd had lots of procedures done. But they wanted to fit a, I think it's called a pick line 
into her arm, which is basically so they didn't have to keep finding um, a vein to put the uh, chemotherapy in. They wanted to fit a pick line. And as they do in hospitals nowadays, they have to tell you everything that is involved in a procedure. So they said, we're going to have to put uh, this, this into your arm and there'll be a small tube and it will go up your arm and it will stop just above your heart. And for some reason, that thought just gripped my mum with fear and worry. The thought of this thing going in her arm and stopping just above her heart. And she was really anxious, like I'd never seen her before in this process. You know, she'd been really strong. And I remember seeing her on the Saturday. I just popped in and she was really low. And it was one of those times where it didn't matter what I could have said to her. It just, nothing would have helped because it was just like a really dark moment. And I remember I went into the into stains, and uh, as I sometimes do on a Saturday, I went into stains, and there was a lady from another church, and they were giving out things in the high street. You see, never underestimate the little things we do for God. And she just said, would you like this? And I took it, and it was a Bible verse, and it said, the angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. And I thought, that's a good verse. That is a good verse. So when I, before I went home, I just went into mum, and I gave her the verse, and I said, here, mum, I don't know, maybe it's, we'll hold on to that one. And um, then later that week, it was time for mum to go and have the procedure. It was a 9 a.m. appointment at St. Peter's. And so Sarah and I discussed it. We decided that I would take mum to her appointment and Sarah would do the school run. And um, the night before, mum, Sarah had sent mum a verse, which is the verse from Deuteronomy 31, which says, the Lord will go before you. Yeah, he's before you. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. You know, in other words, he's got this. So we went to that hospital, nine o'clock. We got there, got parked there, dead on nine, into the waiting room. Mum looking so anxious like I have never seen her look before. And um, we sat down for a moment. It was really quiet in there. And I said, Mum, should we just check we're in the right place? So we went to the, up to the desk and said, we're here for this appointment. And they said, you know what? You can go straight down the corridor to the room on your right. So Mum and I walked down this <laughs> what felt like the longest walk in the world, walked down this long corridor to the room on the right. And we walked through the door, and there were a couple of nurses there kind of looking over a clipboard. And uh, they looked up, and we said, oh, um, it's Gillian Pierce. She's here for her appointment. And then at that sound, lots of other nurses, and maybe three other nurses sort of came over. They said, Gillian Pierce. Oh, there you are, Gillian Pierce. It was honestly like this little welcoming committee for my mum. Gillian Pierce, there you are. And they said, we've been looking for you. And we said, oh, we've just arrived. It was for a nine o'clock appointment. We've just arrived. We just parked, come straight. Are you sure? Yeah, we've just arrived. And they said, well, it's the strangest thing happened. They said, about a little while ago, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour ago, a guy came in. And he said, just to let you know, Gillian Pierce is here for her appointment. And she said, so I went out to the waiting room. I looked around. I called your name. And you weren't there. And I said, that's because we weren't there. We just arrived for our appointment. And the nurses started chatting amongst themselves, saying, well, well, that's really odd. That's really odd. Are you sure you weren't in another waiting room? No, we weren't in another. We've literally just got here. And then they got to the discussion, well, who was the guy? Has anyone seen him before? No one had seen this guy before. What was he dressed? He was dressed in hospital uniform. No one had seen him before. Yet, 20 minutes before we arrived, he walked into that room and said, Gillian Pierce, she's here for her appointment. And one of the nurses said, Oh, maybe it was a ghost. And I turned to my mum, Mum, maybe that was an angel. 
Maybe that was an angel. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. And what did Sarah's Bible verse say? Deuteronomy, the Lord will go before you. It's like he'd already been there and said, look, Jill's coming. You need to be ready for her. She's anxious. You need to welcome her. You know, and that moment, a moment, you know, like that. And you say, yes, God, thank you, God. You know, God can use a heart that trusts in him. Let me say, we will go through some dark times. That is life. We will go through dark times, but we hold on. We believe. Corrie Ten Boom said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. True, isn't it? We can hold on to God. Lots of people have trust issues in this life. Maybe you're one of those people because the world we live in is not great at trust. Yeah, People will let us down. It's a reality because we live in a fallen world. God will never let us down. And if we have a heart that trusts, he can use us. A heart that trusts says, God, I will go wherever you want me to go because I know that you are with me. I will follow whatever word you give me because I believe in you. God will use a trusting heart. And finally this morning, and really briefly, don't worry, a purpose-filled heart. A purpose-filled heart. A heart that is full of God's purpose. That's what Mary had. It says that when she was in that stable in Bethlehem, the shepherds came. The angels had been to see them. The shepherds came, and they were just full of this excitement. Mary, your, your baby, your baby is going to bring salvation to all mankind, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. It's going to be, your baby is going to bring salvation. That was a good sound effect, wasn't it? Thank you very much. I didn't plan that. Um, but your baby is going to bring salvation. It says that everyone was amazed. Everyone could, they couldn't believe what they were hearing. Do you know what it says about Mary? It says, Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She understood the purpose of God, but she kept them in her heart. She made them central to her heart and she pondered them. She thought on them. Fast forward 12 years, Mary and Joseph, they've been to a, a feast of some kind. Celebrations are over. They're traveling home. They go for three days. <laughs> Three days, and then they realize in a home alone moment, uh, where's Jesus? I thought you had him, Joseph. No, I thought you had him, Mary. Joseph isn't with them. Joseph isn't there. I'm not going to judge her. I, lost, I once lost um, Joel in Sainsbury's. It happens. Actually, he ran, actually, to be fair, he ran away from me. He was two and a half, and the worst thing was that I had Rachel with me. So I ran after Joel and then realized I'd left a five-year-old Rachel holding the basket like this, waiting for me. So we're going to cut Mary some slack on this one, but she finds Jesus at the temple, and um, probably in that moment of like, I want to shout at you, but I also want to hug you because I'm so relieved that I found you, she says, you know, Jesus, why did you do this to us? <laughs> why, why? Why did you not come with us? And he says to her, Mom, mother, don't you need, you know I need to be about my father's business. Yeah, he was in the temple. He was, he was talking and teaching and, and discussing with, the, with the, the religious leaders of the time. And what, again, it says at this point, Mary treasured these things in her heart. She took them, she treasured them. And I believe for God to use us, we need to keep his purposes at the center of our heart. Now, sometimes we get in a bit of a fluster. We say, but I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. 
what is it? I don't know what it is. You know, it's easy for Mary. She had an angel appear to her. And actually, sometimes it would be really nice if an angel just came and said, look, Mandy, this is the next thing I want you to do. But it doesn't happen like that all the time, does it? But I think there's probably two levels to when we talk about God's purpose. There is a general purpose for every single believer, regardless general purpose, that foundation that we can all get on with, and that is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, you know, and as we love him, we become more like him, and the other thing is that we love each other as much as we love ourselves, and if we love each other as much as we love ourselves, then we cannot omit the best news that we've ever had, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. So in that is also the commission. Go, make disciples, tell people about me, prepare the way for people to meet with me. That is our general. And I read somewhere that it says that um, live fulfilling your God-given purpose, it's not a destination, it's a journey. Yeah, so it's a journey we take. We live our lives loving God, loving others, sharing the good news. And then along the way, he gives us specifics. Yeah, specific to me, specific to you, depending on what he's gifted. So Liam and Emily, you know, along the way, do you know what, guys? I want you to start a church in Staines. It's going to impact your community, the community, and then it's going to flow out into Europe, specific for Liam and Emily. Or Jamie, I was thinking, you know, I want you to learn. God says, you know, I want you to learn all the laws of the land. Know it fully. (laughs) But, you know, study law. And then you can seek justice for the people who are poor, for the people who need it, a voice. You know, Keith, when you're 28, I've called you to be a pastor, Keith. And don't think that when that little bit ends that you're going to stop being a pastor because you will always be a pastor. People will always come to you to seek some wisdom and some guidance and some spiritual care. But along the way, as we journey with God, as we trust him, as we humble ourselves, he brings in the specifics. And I love the fact that Mary, I love the fact that Mary, in her hardest, darkest time, which is just unimaginable really, isn't it? Standing at the foot of a cross, And seeing your son up there, even though he's done nothing wrong with people mocking and jeering and and just voices full of hate. And he looks down, doesn't he? When her purpose for that moment had come to an end, perhaps. And he looks down and she stood next to John, the one that he loved. And he says, John, this is now your mother. And he says, Mary, mother, John is now your son. Yeah, so then he renewed her in a different way, with a new purpose. She became part of John's family. And I love the fact that at Pentecost, she was there. When the Holy Spirit came down, her son had gone back to heaven. But when he sent that gift, it was for her as well. Sent it down. I just want to encourage you, God wants to use you. He wants to use your life, your redemption story. He wants to use every single one of us for his plans and his purposes on earth. And he will do so if we have a humble heart, a heart that trusts him and a heart that is constantly filled with his purposes. You know, that little girl at the beginning, she made sure her voice was heard, didn't she? (laughs) You know, and for us as followers of Christ, we need to make sure our voice is heard, not in a look at me kind of way, but a look at him kind of way. Look at what he has done for me and what he's done for me, he can do for you as well. I just want us to, um, we'll close our service, but I want us just to sing Oceans together one more time. 
You know, that song talks about, you know, when fear surrounds us, God's never failed me before, he won't again. It talks about trusting without border. It talks about just stepping out in faith. So I just wonder if we can sing it again. And what I want to ask of you, if while I've been speaking this morning, you just feel, you know what, I want God to use me. I want him to use my life to prepare the way for others to encounter Jesus. If you say, you know, I want him to use my life in a more significant way than I've allowed before, or I want um, God to, you know, restore humility, restore trust, to restore his purposes in my heart. As we sing it, I just want you to stand. You can lift your hands. You can come out the front if you want. You can do what you want, really. But if, if that is your prayer this morning, your desire is for as I go from this place, Lord, use my life for your glory, then I want you to, I'm standing, I want you to stand with me, yeah, we'll sing this song as a response and then we'll, we'll close our service. Lord God, we just thank you, Jesus, for the example that you set for us here on earth. Lord, we thank you that you want to use our lives to bring glory to you, Lord. You see our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to grow the things that need growing. Holy Spirit, I ask that you challenge us on the areas that perhaps we need to make amends with. We come before you, Lord, and I say, use me, use my life. Lord, I trust you. I humble myself before you. Reveal your purposes. Maybe you need to know, like, you need to step into God's purposes more for your life. Well, this morning, let's just make this song our prayer.